Our second reading is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. During these last months before my retirement and the start of Pastor Watts' ministry as your new senior pastor, I've been preaching on some basic foundational Christian principles and truths. And today's meditation is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness. You can imagine my surprise quite early in my ministry, nearly 40 years ago, when I found out that some people become angry and indignant when they hear a sermon on forgiveness. That anger and indignation take form and have been articulated to me in some different ways to be sure. And in addition to the negative responses to my sermons on forgiveness, some people have reacted with incredulity, just denial and disbelief. So this morning as we meditate on forgiveness that we heard from the Old Testament that God can create a new heart within us all and restore us to a right relationship with him and one another. And as we hear Paul reminding the church in Ephesus, that it's all about living in God's lavish love and the gift of his mercy and forgiveness. I want you to uh, meditate with me on some of the reactions that I've received to the message of forgiveness through the years. Uh, These four 
responses. Uh, they're as old as I am. Some of them go back to when I was a brand new pastor, just 26 years of age, very wet behind the ears. And I've continued to hear some of these reactions even here at Faith, and I assure you, uh, my ears are dry and they're wrinkled, and now I have to have the barber cut hair out of them. <laughs> How'd that happen? You know, you old guys can relate, right? So here's some reactions to sermons on forgiveness. Preacher, why do you talk about forgiveness? I'm not a bad person. I never killed anyone and I never robbed a bank. Other people might need to hear about forgiveness, but not me. Second reaction is on the opposite end of that spectrum. Well, God may very well forgive other people, Pastor, but not me. God could never forgive me. I'm a terrible person. And I've done terrible things. The third reaction is, I don't know if I could even say somewhere in between those two extremes, but it goes like this. Preacher, you don't have a clue about my life. You don't know how horribly I've been treated. You have no idea what I've been through. So don't you tell me then I need to forgive people who've been so cruel to me. And the fourth criticism that I've probably heard more than the other three goes like this. You pastors make people think they can do anything they want, commit as many sins as they like, because all they have to do is trot back to church on Sunday morning, ask forgiveness, and everything's okay. Then they can go right back out Monday morning and do it all over again, same old, same old, with no consequences whatsoever. Well, I want to spend some time with you this morning meditating on forgiveness and spending some time reflecting on these kinds of responses because you might have heard your own voice or the voices of those you know within them. I'm not a bad person. Others may need forgiveness, but I don't. I've not robbed a bank. I've never murdered anyone. I think it's easy to understand how a person could respond that way to the news of forgiveness of sins and the loving kindness and mercy of a gracious God because in this world, this side of heaven, uh, we rate, we measure, we categorize bad behavior, unacceptable behavior on a scale of some sort, don't we? Some deeds, some actions, we think are far worse than others, right? So, if you happen to have been not paying attention and you've gone from a 45 mile an hour speed zone to 35 miles an hour and the police officer does his job and pulls you over, that's one kind of bad behavior, right? And that's very different than being arrested for drunk driving while screaming down I-25 at 95 miles an hour. Are you with me so far? getting into a heated argument with someone and even having voices raised is one thing. But it's not the same as getting into an argument where it comes to physical violence, pushing someone to the ground, busting a bottle over their head, or, or punching them in the face. 
I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. No, not on that one, the next one. (laughs) You know, telling, oh, we love to call it, just a little white lie, just a little cute, little tiny white lie. By calling in sick to work when you're perfectly fine, no show of hands, that's one thing, right? And embezzling thousands or millions of dollars from your workplace is another. Even our criminal justice system differentiates between uh, bad behavior, illegal behavior as well. Sometimes the, uh, the fitting punishment, the proper sentence is $500 fine and um, 90 days of community service and other crimes result in a life sentence without parole behind bars. In the kingdom of God, we're all guilty. We all have a sin problem. Not one of us in and of himself is pure and holy. We've got the shared disease, the spiritual sickness of sin. And because of that shared malady, that spiritual disease, like other sicknesses, it has symptoms. It is symptomatic. We all say and do things that we should not. And that same soul sickness uh, prevents us from doing the the things and saying the things we should be doing and saying. And in theological language, we refer to this, right, as the sins of commission and the sins of omission. So, let's consider the word of the Lord. Let's go to the Ten Commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You don't use God's name to swear, curse. You don't use it In profanity or superstitiously, Martin Luther reminds us, you use God's holy name. He's revealed his name to us to call on him in prayer, praise, and thanksgiving. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many have taken the Lord's name in vain. But in those same Ten Commandments, he says, you shall not commit adultery. You're doing some weighing in your mind? They're all sin. When you disobey the word of God, it is sin. Christ died for sinners like you and a sinner like me. Regardless of the particular sins of commission and omission of which we are guilty. All of us need forgiveness. Every single person, every human is someone for whom Christ was willing to die. Not just as an act of heroism or gallantry, but as an act of love and mercy for sinners who are as good as dead without the blood of Jesus. And I submit to you that only the most arrogant of individuals could insist that he or she has never done anything wrong or hurtful or selfish. I'm not going to mention his name. That wouldn't be right. But I will tell you about a man in one of the congregations I served long before coming to Albuquerque. First of all, he made me feel small. So he's a big dude. Probably the biggest guy in town. And one Sunday morning, as his relatively new pastor, he got loud. We didn't call it the centrum. We called it the narthex, the gathering space outside the sanctuary. He got loud. Everyone was, you know, watching with their bulletins up to their faces, whispering. 
and he let me know that I didn't need to preach about forgiveness anymore. Find some new material. I haven't sinned. Maybe other people have, but I don't want to hear this message over and over again. And after hearing from him and with his loud voice there making a scene, I just said, well, maybe tonight over dinner you can have a talk with your wife and your children and see if they agree with you about your self-assessment of uh, purity and perfection. I dare you. His wife looked at me like... Well, I learned later that he got an earful. I mean, somehow he was oblivious to the ways he had hurt his family, hurt his wife's feeling, insulted her dignity, and humiliated his children. And he came back to me and said, I wasn't aware of my boorish behavior. Sin. (laughs) Oscar Wilde would never be categorized as a theologian in the classical sense of that that word but I think he got it right theologically when he said we are all in the gutter together but some of us are looking to the stars and maybe I should say he got it half right we are in the gutter together we've all sinned we've all fallen short of God's glory and we can't get cleaned up without Jesus But we Christians aren't just aiming high and and looking to the stars. We worship a God who left the place of honor, Jesus, in the highest heaven to take on human flesh and become one of us, true man, true God, simultaneously, and enter this gutter called planet Earth alongside of us. He became a real man, living, bleeding, suffering, and dying. Not that he could just experience our brokenness, but that he could bring healing and redemption to our broken lives and relationships. So that other end of the spectrum of reactions. Yeah, pastor, preach on forgiveness. That's fine, but it doesn't include me. I've done some wicked things. And God could never forgive a person like me. While some think they are sinless, others believe their sins are the worst, the most wicked, the most reprehensible, and therefore outside the scope of God's amazing grace. Some people believe they have disqualified themselves from receiving mercy. And all I can say and all I will preach to my final sermon is that the word of God teaches us that the blood of Jesus is so powerful, so beautiful, so precious, so holy, it can make and does make the foulest clean. The foulest. The power of the Lord's Forgiveness and loving kindness is greater than your individual sins and offenses and my own, no matter how severe or extreme. And while we may indeed face temporal punishment for particular sins and worldly consequences for those same sins, with God in Christ, there is complete, total 
forgiveness for those who simply acknowledge their need for God's grace to be at work in their lives. And if you're one of the people who think forgiveness works for other people but not for me, hear the gospel truth. Jesus died for you. Your sin might be severe, but your sin is not greater than the power of God's grace and mercy. You're not bigger than God. He knows what you've done, and he wants to create in you a clean heart and renew within you a right spirit. That brings your Father in heaven joy. And then there's that third reaction. Don't talk to me about forgiveness. You don't know. You don't have a clue. You don't know how I've been treated. You don't know how I've been betrayed. For 37 years, I can count, I can anticipate hearing those reactions on at least two weekends every 12 months. And you might already be guessing what they are. Father's Day and Mother's Day. When here at Faith we've had fathers stand that we might acknowledge them and pray for them. And we do the same for mothers. And I can always count on someone coming up to me or calling later. My father beat me. My dad left us when I was a little girl. My mother never had a kind word for me. My dad made me feel small, stupid, and insignificant. My father abused me. My mother was a drug addict and neglected me. I know these things are real. I'm well aware that not all of us grew up in loving homes where we were cared for and protected and nurtured as every child of God should be. I'm aware of that brokenness in the world. And if you're one of those people, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. If you have had experiences like these and feelings like these, I'm telling you, you're not alone. And maybe it wasn't a mother or a father. Maybe you've been betrayed by your best friend. Maybe your own spouse. And maybe your own children have wounded you deeply and painfully. Forgiveness does not mean that you can completely forget those things that were done to you. Forgiveness does not mean that you should like pretend, oh, that never really happened. It did. But if the people who hurt you have yet to acknowledge their culpability, if they've yet to acknowledge their sin against you, child of God, if they've yet to ask you for forgiveness, then here's what you can do. You release them. You turn the memory of what happened, you turn them over to God. Lord, you know the truth. You know what happened. You have your way with them, Father. God who is all-knowing and whose judgment is perfect. Now, without going into too much detail, I will tell you my own personal experience and how I've struggled with forgiving those who've harmed you 
and have yet to repent. I found out that someone who should have been my brother in Christ was telling lies about me and convincing other people to bring me down. I am far from perfect. My sins are many. I need forgiveness every day. But what this man was saying and doing about me was not based on reality. It was a lie, and it was verified. And when I found out what he was actually doing, I told my wife Kirsten, and my wife Kirsten said, so how do you feel about that? And I said, I quote myself, I'd like to have him alone in an alley for 10 minutes with no cops. And Kirsten quietly and calmly said, well, pastor, that's one way to react. And Kirsten said, I I think your boss, Jesus, said you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you. And I said, I'll pray for God to smite him with the pox. (laughs) And Kirsten said, well, I'll pray. And she prayed for him. And she prayed for her husband. She prayed that this person would come to his senses, that the Lord would convict him of his sin. And in the words of today's psalm, create a new heart within him. What my wife did was show me how to release this person to God's sovereignty and mercy and power so I could start letting go of my anger and resentment and my desire, you know, for payback. It didn't happen overnight, but it happened. And I can tell you now that years later, If this brother ever acknowledges that particular sin and asks me for forgiveness, I'm ready to offer it and embrace him with the right hand of Christian love and friendship. But until that day, I'm no longer burdened by his sin and his behavior. With my wife's ministry, she became my pastor that day. I was released from the burden of that weight. I handed the situation over to God. Because I know God wants me and wants you to move forward and spend whatever time you have left on planet Earth in pursuit of those things that are good and wholesome and helpful and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And here's that final reaction we should consider today. You make people think they can do whatever they want Just come back to church on Sunday and say, I'm sorry. And then go back out Monday morning with no consequences whatsoever. For the record, I've never heard any pastor in this congregation. And to my knowledge, I have never preached or taught that God's forgiveness gives us license, gives us permission to willingly sin disobey his word, hurt our neighbors, disregard the dignity and well-being of others. Church is not a religious car wash for humans so we can get as filthy as we like each week out there four-wheel driving in the gutter, just bathing in the muck of sinful behavior so we can come back and just 
Start all over again? You ever heard that kind of sermon here? But what I have heard preached in this pulpit is that we never outgrow our need for grace. And I've never heard it said in this pulpit that grace means we can do as we please whenever we please. I have preached on these good and faithful words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. First time I shared this quote, some people got mad. I'm going to share it again. Bonhoeffer said, cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without repentance, baptism without discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And we like Bonhoeffer know this amazing grace is anything but cheap. It cost Jesus his life. He paid the price for our sins, not with gold, or silver, but his own innocent, precious, holy blood. In fact, he died the death that you deserve and I have coming. I look forward to meeting Bonhoeffer in the kingdom of Christ when I see the Savior face to face. He had a remarkable life, and you know, as a young pastor, he was arrested and Some of you know the story. He was taken behind bars by the Gestapo, and he even behind bars continued writing his congregation, his friends, his loved ones. There's a collection of those uh, letters in a book that's simply called Letters and Papers from Prison. I'm, I'm astounded by his faith. I mean, what would you be thinking? What would you be writing if you had been arrested by an evil regime like the Nazi party? What if you were behind bars knowing you may never see your family again? Well, this is a message that Bonhoeffer sent. I want you to live together in the forgiveness of your sins, for without it, no human fellowship can survive. So don't go on insisting on your own rights. Don't go blaming each other all the time. Don't judge or condemn each other. Don't be looking to find fault with each other. Accept each other as you are and forgive each other every day from the bottom of your hearts. No human fellowship can survive without forgiveness, whether that fellowship is a man and a woman in marriage, a family living together under one roof, or even a congregation like ours here at Faith. Friends in Christ, I know it can be hard to forgive others for a whole bunch of reasons. And I'm not saying that forgiving another person is easy, and I'm certainly not saying that seeking forgiveness for someone you've harmed is an easy thing to do either. But I am saying We are apprentices in the school of discipleship, and Jesus is the master teacher. And he teaches us to forgive as we've been forgiven. And I think we should learn what faithful Christians like Bonhoeffer have taught us through their own words and witness. No human fellowship can survive without grace, without forgiveness, We'd become even more isolated from one another than we have been the last year and a half with all the COVID restrictions of social distancing because the distance between people without grace is far greater than six feet. 
Forgiveness can be hard. But remember how hard, how difficult, how arduous, how painful the path must have been for Jesus carrying that heavy cross and being nailed to it. The grace and mercy we receive in Jesus is precious. He has paid the price for your sins. He has made things right between you and your Father in heaven, something you never could have done on your own. So as you think about our readings this week, as you consider what the psalmist had to say and what the Apostle Paul teaches us in his letter to the Ephesians, note this well, neither text, and I dare you, I challenge you to look in the entire witness of Scripture, where do we ever find the Word of God telling us all the grand, wonderful things we've done to deserve Jesus dying on the cross for us? You never see the Apostle Paul writing about how we are so worthy of forgiveness. In fact, he says we're unworthy. It's all about God's lavish love. It's all about mercy that is unmerited. It's why we call grace amazing. Jesus left heaven on a rescue mission. He decided to save those who were already as good as dead because of sin. That's you, that's me, and that's all people. So may the peace which far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and guard them in Christ Jesus our Lord this day until we see the Savior face to face, never to be separated, never to sin again. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.